Thank you, O oh God, that we can come to this place, O oh Lord. Amen, God. And come into your presence, Lord. And we ask you, Father, as we come together, we call upon your great name, Lord, that you would look down upon us. You would give us grace in your sight, Lord, that you would minister to every need, O oh Lord, that we have. And Father, as you have instructed us, Lord, to cast our cares upon you because you care for us. Lord, we lift up our burdens, we lift up our, our petitions, our supplications unto you, Lord. And we ask you, God, to have your way, Lord. Bless your people. Make a way for them, Lord. Minister to the needs that they have for their homes, for their families. God, that you continue, Lord, to, amen, make a way for them. Bless them, O Lord. God, we ask that you bless Amen. Our, our time, Father, in this place today, Lord, bless, amen, the ministry of your word, Lord. Our gathering together, O Lord, pour out your spirit upon us, O Lord, in this place. God, I pray that you would, amen, touch us, O Lord, that we can be able to receive, Lord, with meekness, the engrafted word which is able to save us. Open our ears that we may hear, Lord, and our eyes that we may see, and our hearts, Lord, that we can be converted unto you, Lord. Do a mighty work with us today, God. Bless us with an outpouring of your spirit, Lord, in this place. And God, bind us together that we can be one body. In one spirit, in one mind, in one accord, in this place, bless your people, Lord. We ask this, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, let it be done, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let everybody say amen. You may be seated. And then those of you that are going to the other classes, <clears throat> good to see everybody here today. Good to be in this place again. Use the, uh, amen, a very, uh, how, how could I say, a day that we just really uh, enjoy the presence of God and the ministry of the Word, His presence, and taking advantage of every moment. It's always a high day for us. And, by the time we get back home, it seems like myself, I just kind of have to wind down from everything that takes place and enjoy the presence of God. So it's always a blessing to come into the house of God. And especially to join together with you, people of like precious faith. Amen. Amen. Blessing always. So let's, uh, let's, uh, I'll probably, I might need that image back up there, but uh, let's, Go back into our words. I want to try to, hopefully this morning, uh, finish up on some things concerning the breastplate. As I said earlier, it just seems like you get into, amen, uh, teaching concerning, you know, the garments, and it just seems like we just uh, obviously can't get enough of what each one of these uh, pieces of garment represent and what they mean so it just seems like uh, always uh, in awe of what God does and what God reveals in his word and make sure that's working oh yeah there you go so Exodus did I give you a chapter 28 and uh, 
Thou shalt make the verse number fifteen the breastplate of judgment with cunning work with cunning work. After the work of the ephod, thou shalt make it of gold, of blue, of purple, and of scarlet, and fine twine linen shalt thou make it. Four square it shall be. Four square it shall be, being doubled, a span shall be the length thereof, and a span shall be the breadth thereof. Thou shalt set in, set in it settings of stones, even four rows of stones. The first row shall be a sardis, a topaz, a carbuncle. This shall be the first row, and the second row shall be an emerald, and a sapphire, and a diamond. Third row, liger, an agate, an amethyst, and the fourth row, a beryl. And, and an onyx and a jasper, they shall be in gold in their enclosings. And the stone shall be with the names of the children of Israel, twelve according to their names, like the engravings of a signet, everyone with his name shall they be according to the twelve tribes. Beautiful. Beautiful. And uh, just to kind of take you take you back a little bit, uh, go back with me to the book of Malachi. Just want to use this as a reference, as a thought. So I said what we're studying is, is something, and of course we're taking a look at the stones on the breastplate. Twelve stones, a stone for the, each tribe of Israel with the names of the children of Israel. Look what he says here. Verse number 16 of chapter 3 in Malachi, it says, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it, and the book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that brought that thought upon his name. They shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. They shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. In that day when I make up my jewels and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. This is beautiful because obviously when you read uh, what the book of Malachi is all about one of the first things that he addressed if you read the book of Malachi was the restoration of the priest. That's what he's speaking about. The, the, the tribe of Levi and the restoration and what he's bringing to attention all the things, that obviously, that need to be in place as far as the ministry are concerned. So with that thought in mind, he's bearing witness. But when he's speaking about the people of Israel, he said that, uh, he said, they will be mine uh, in the day when I make when, when I make up my jewels. So we see this right here, jewels. All the, all the stones, all the 12 stones. Each representing the tribe of Levi. And remember, you know, uh, on the onset when we talked about the stones, especially the onyx stones, and, and with, with the 12 tribes, of course, on the shoulder pieces up here, I'll point to them again. Make reference again, there's no harm in that. But with the names of the children of Israel, according to the birth order, and basically on, on two onyx stones, and the Hebrew word uh, translated for onyx means it, signi- it means to signify to shine with the luster of fire. So in other words, the, the stones are are chosen for a reason and a purpose. And, and obviously, every stone, every stone 
every stone has you know its significance the breastplate the translation means to ornate and uh, so obviously uh, the whole purpose of this is that these stones are to basically ornate or be ornated and then obviously shine with their own amen with their own light and with their own uh, with their own glory so uh, the stones on the breastplate give us a perfect insight into God's mind on the matter what constitutes pleasing God uh, by placing the stones on the breastplate of, of Aaron, God is challenging every son of his to come up higher to be changed from <coughs> glory to glory. And uh, here we see uh, each tribe represented by a particular precious stone, thus each had his own particular glory and beauty. Each differed from without reviling the other and each filled his appointed place in order, in, in the order of God. There also was unity combined with diversity, a variety which reflected the glory and the beauty of God. So that's kind of what that represents or what that what that is right there what we see there now he's using precious stones these are stones that are precious stones of course we see you know in that passage of scripture all the stones that are named here uh the sardis topaz carbuncle uh, the emerald, the sapphire, the diamond, liger, an agate, an amethyst, a beryl, an onyx, and a jasper. They, these are all the stones that were put on the breastplate representing every tribe of Israel. Amen. So they represent, praise God, in their own significant way, Obviously, God's glory and God's God's honor, and each reflected their own light, as far as even the colors of the stone are concerned. How many of you have ever taken earth science mm -hmm. in school? No. Mm -hmm. How many of you have ever taken earth science? You guys remember your lessons in earth science? Can you go back that far? <laughs> when we talk about precious stones. Like we're talking about today, precious stones. Do you realize how it is now? These stones, and I want you to pay attention. These stones that are represented on the on the breastplate of the of the priest are not man-made. These are all stones that have been obviously are a product of the work that goes on in the. How could I say it? in the earth's surface and down to a particular level and and you know of course the way science talks about it you know what takes place as far as the 
the temperature and the heat that is below the Earth's surface. Did you realize this? When you go deeper into the Earth's surface, you, you find out the temperatures rise. Yes. Yeah. But as you go deeper, you're going to find out the temperatures rise. And, and uh, you know, the, the temperature of the Earth as you go down, it's going to get warmer. So heat, the heat there is, is there for a reason. And heat, you know, obviously produces, you know, pressure and all this kind of stuff. But along with it, not just as far as uh, what they call the thermal temperature or the, uh, the temperature of the earth as you go down deep into the earth's surface. Uh, the other thing that is that has to be brought into, uh, uh, if I want to say it that way, brought into a, a, a purpose for the stones to be to be made is pressure. Yep. Because well, we, when we stand on the earth as we know it, you know, we, we, we don't even think about this. Scientifically, we don't think about this. We walk on solid ground. Right. <laughs> we walk on it without realizing below our feet. The earth, the, the surface, the ground going down, you know, into, this, into the core of the earth. Everything is, 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 you know, pressure is exerted so it's pushed downward. Of course, with, with uh, what we call uh, uh, gravity. The force of gravity. Everything is pushed down, so as a result, everything that goes down, it exerts pressure. So that pressure, when it's compounded and compacted, guess what? And you get down there to these places, of course, you got soil, you got rock, and all these combinations, and yet, yet when it's all compacted and pushed together, and all depending on the makeup of whatever it is, whatever the, what they call aggregate. Aggregate is basically different sizes of rock. You could have rough, uh, coarse aggregate. You could have fine aggregate, like we do the sand. And di different, you know, just different, uh, you know, uh, how would you say, con uh, uh, surfaces of, of, of different uh, uh, rocks and all this. So here we have all this pressure that is being exhorted or forced down upon all these different rocks and all these different, uh, uh, you know, the, the dirt and the sand and all these different things. So as a result of that pressure, guess what happens? That's how these that's how these stones here are made. From that pressure and from them being fused together because of the heat. Mm -hmm. Think about that. And guess what? This work takes obviously some time to be done. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we know we don't really know the exact amount of time it takes for a diamond to reach its particular state or even an emerald or ruby but we know that it's all a result of heat and pressure being compacted on all those elements that make up that stone so when when that happens when they're done when they're complete guess what somehow amen they are extracted or forced to a place where you know when that pressure is relieved they come up and they and and, and in a sense they not really surface like they they would come up to the top but they're, they're pushed up, and as a result, we find these precious stones, mm -hmm. all in their own unique uh, makeup and color and beauty. And so that's what we see right here. So, so, so what am I saying? A amen. That represents the 12 tribes of Israel. It also pertains to you and I. We're, we're precious in his sight. He called us 
Amen. That he, he called this what? Precious jewels. Precious jewels. Never, never, never take for granted the work of God in your life. That's right. From the day you are filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name up to the present time, never take for granted the work of God in your life. Because we're all, we always use this expression, we're all diamonds in the rough. And God knows what he's doing. And through, through that use, you know, if, if a stone has to come to its beauty and glory through, amen, through temperature and through pressure, pressure what about you and I? We go through certain things in our life, we experience certain things, whatever they may be. Uh, tribulation, the word tribulation is used in the scripture. Tribulation means this, tribulation means pressure. Pressure that is exerted on us from all areas. I mean, we can feel tribulation mentally. We can feel it physically. We can feel it spiritually. All areas, we feel that pressure. Every day we wake up, we feel that. That pressure. Why is it there? We all, you all know that, don't you? Yep. All, the, all the concerns that you have as far as your life is concerned, yep. there's, there's pressure there. But why is that pressure there? That pressure is there... To help to conform you. Wow. Amen. Obviously, the Lord's complete work, His final work in the process of our walk with Him, salvation, He's going to get us to the point that we're all going to, we're going to be like these precious stones. That's His, that's his objective, that's His goal, so that we can be His precious jewels. That we can shine with whatever luster. You and I are all different. Different people, different shapes, sizes, colors, personalities. But guess what? God is doing the work in us. So whatever that process is, as far as God doing that work, that's what, that's what we need to understand. Is, is, uh, we need to allow Him to do that work because this is, this is the end product. This is the end product. This is what's taking place as far as our relationship with God. This is this is where He's leading us from the day we receive the Holy Ghost up until now. God, if I want to say it that way, God is refining us. Amen. And obviously, you ever notice that people that work with uh, precious stones, people that do work in those precious stones, uh, diamond cutters, and all that kind of stuff. You know what they always say? They have to be careful how they tool the stone. Because if they're not careful how they tool the stone, they could, they could obviously damage the stone, and the, stir, the stone will become worthless. Right. Don't you know God knows what He's doing? Right. Amen. Here's the thing. We can make the comparison. Satan's, Satan's objective and his task is to destroy the work of God. He's done it from the beginning. So if he knows that we're precious in his sight, he's going to do everything he can. He's going to use whatever tool he can to somehow destroy the work of God. But yet we have a master 
Yet we have a creator, we have a God that is doing a marvelous work. Amen. That is doing a wondrous work that is careful in his truing. He's working our lives. Why? Wow, he's shaping us so that we can become one of these. We can become a precious stone. We can shine. We can shine with the with the glory. And of course, you know what it says? You know, uh, when it talks about the stones, it's not just the shine, it's the fire of that shine. So that's that's one thing that's beautiful if you think about it. That's what God is doing. To me, if that's the work of God taking place, we all need to kind of think about that right now. We need to we need to uh, try to, to the best of our ability, comprehend what God is doing for, for you and I. Because you know what? Make no mistake, God knows what he's doing and he knows, he knows why he called you. It's all of us that have been called and we've answered the call, we've been baptized in Jesus' name, we've been filled with the Holy Ghost. God is doing a work in you. He knows what he's doing. God can bring, amen, he can, he can refine you to the person, to the individual that he wants you to be. Amen. 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 It's a working process. Yes. So let's not judge one another. Amen. Right. Because God's doing work, however, whatever way it is, whatever's happening in our life, whatever pressure we're experiencing, Whatever heat we're, we're, you know, let's not judge one another. Because God knows how to work in us. He knows what he's doing. He's creating in us. He's creating in us a new man. Praise God. So that's why, that's why these are important for us to understand. And, and you notice that all, all this takes place, of course, the breastplate, as I said uh, in times past, covering the heart, in other words, these things are obviously right on the heart of God, close to the heart of God. This this involves uh, a relationship that is based upon intimacy, deep intimacy with God. Here's the thing. This is this is this is uh, you can say a standard, or this is the order in which God has purpose in the church as far as our relationship with him and our relationship with one another. Now pay attention. Because if you really learn how to love God, if you really learn to love God, if you let the Lord, you know, his love abound in you, if you really learn, you will be able not just to learn to love him, but you would be able to learn to love everybody else. Right. And what the Bible says, charity is the bond of perfection. It's the bond. Love is the bond of perfection. That's the very thing that keeps the body together is that love when it abounds. That's why the Bible says, charity covereth a multitude of sins covers of that doesn't mean we overlook that, that that doesn't mean that what it means is this that we will reach out and we will help one another we will try to our best of ability to be able to amen 
encourage one another, love one another. We all make mistakes, don't we? Yes. None of us are perfect. That's right. We all have dents in our armor. Yeah. So let's not judge. Right. Yeah. Let's let love abound. So if love abounds, we're going to see that that love is going to be the bond of peace. It's going to be the bond of perfection. That's going to be the very element that's going to keep the body fitly joined together. Yeah. That's going to be the strength. It's something to be able to walk into a church and a fellowship and the first thing you can feel is God's love. So when you feel God's love, you know there's something good. When His love abides and when His love is there. So that's why the importance of it. And and here's the thing. Developing that relationship. Look look where He placed it. He placed it on the heart of the priest. Mm -hmm. Developing that relationship. You know what? Each and every one of us have the opportunity to develop a relationship with God. We can get very close to God if we so desire to. If we so desire to really get close to God, amen. We can. We can. Have that kind of relationship with Him. And why, why do you think the scripture says this? Why, why has He said that in, in the uh, Shema of Israel when He was, uh, you know, giving the people of Israel their instructions and hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all, with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. So think about it. Our our relationship with God is based upon that. Love. And we can love God. Look what He's done for us. Amen. Right. Praise God. Amen. God has been good. God has been faithful. Amen. Yes. Amen. Despite our shortcomings, Amen. our failures, our inconsistency, our incomplacency. Despite all that, God still loves us. This is what He thinks about us. We, we think differently. This is what God thinks. This is how he sees us. He sees us as these jewels. He sees the end product. He knows that that could be the the very possibility of you and I walking with God. He sees that. He sees the investment he has made in us. And he sees that. He sees his plan. That this is what we're going to come to one day. We're going to come to us. We're going to be represented like these stones represent the children of Israel. We're going to be just that. We're going to be that jewel in his eye. Because that's what he sees. Amen. Beautiful, isn't it? Yes. Amen. So many things that, uh, you know, as far as, uh, you know, being right here, uh, as far as God is concerned, uh, you'll notice that you go and, uh, let me, let me, uh, where's my notes at here? Let me see here. You see here. And and uh, numbers are uh, the, when he was talking about the order of the stones and and uh, of course it's following not the order of birth but the order of the ministry or 
uh, of the camp of Israel, you read that, and uh, I think I showed that to you in Numbers chapter 2, or the whole chapter, 1, 1 to 34 is the, is the order, but Judas is the first one mentioned there, and, and his stone is the Sardis. And Issachar, the second one mentioned, the topaz. So if we're looking at him, we're looking at it from right here. Judas, Sardis, Issachar, topaz, and then Zebulun is the carbuncle right here, carbuncle. Second row, Reuben is the emerald, and then Simeon is the sapphire, right there. Gad is the diamond. I kind of think that, well, well, we're going from right to left, so I think we're going from here, here to this direction. Because the diamond is, is light in color. But, uh, and then uh, Benjamin is the amethyst, right there. And then Manasseh is the agate. And Ephraim, the liger, right there. Nephilim is the jasper. Asher is the onyx. And then Dan is the burrow. So, so we see that, that, that order. But each represented, each representing their place and their, their ministry, their, their calling of God. And obviously, amen, that's where the Lord wants to lead us to. Wants to lead us to that place where we can, you know, where we can draw nigh to Him. Uh, here's here's a beautiful thing. Uh, go go with me back again to the same uh, 28 and go to verse number 30. You notice that uh, here when he's talking about that, of course, with the introduction of the Urim and Thummim, and uh, you see here. Verse number 29, it says, And Aaron shall bear the names of the children of Israel in the breastplate of judgment upon his heart, when he goeth in unto the holy place for a memorial before the Lord continually. And thou shalt, in verse number 30, And thou shalt put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be upon Aaron's heart when he goeth in before the Lord. And Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel upon his heart before the Lord continually. So you see that mention of the Urum and the Thummim. Okay. Leviticus 8, verse number 8, it says, And he put the breastplate upon him, also he put in the breastplate the Urim and the Thummim. So here we see, you know, after the priest was, the garments of the priest were put on him. Of course, this was consecrating the ministry. It says they, they put on him in, in the breastplate, the Urum and the Thummim. So beneath, beneath this right here, there was a pocket that was made. Now, of course, you know, a lot of Hebrew scholars kind of 
different opinion as far as the, the access to the pocket. Some said it was a pocket that you could access from the, the side of the, of the breastplate or from the top of the breastplate. But inside, inside that pocket was placed the two stones, the Urum and the Thummim, inside underneath the breastplate. So the Urum and the Thummim were basically for this reason, so God could communicate. It was, it was considered the medium or way God communicated to his people. So whenever they wanted to find, they wanted to find God's perfect will. Remember I said that earlier? Here's God's good will. Here's God's uh, acceptable will. Here's God's perfect will. To be able to understand God's perfect, God's perfect will, that's what the, the, the ephod represents. Why is it? Because you have that close, you're, you're, you're covered, and you have that intimate relationship with God, so you're covered, so everything's covering, everything is connected with the breastplate of the, of the priest. God's perfect will. Some, all of us, we could, you know, most of the majority, everybody's abiding in God's good will. Some of us may be in God's acceptable will, but here, how many of us abide in God's perfect will? How many of you are just satisfied being saved? How many of you want to be saved? Right. Right. It, it seems like God has a purpose, and that purpose, here's the thing about God's purpose. The God, God's purpose should move us. God's purpose should, you know, somehow stir us to where we can have a desire. We can have a desire. We can have a will to want to seek God. That's all left up to us. Otherwise, if we don't, guess what? We can just stay in God's good will right here. We can just stay right there. Or we can be in God's acceptable will. Yeah, we can be. You know, this represents, obviously, you know, the, the, first, the, the, the first principles of the oracles of God, the, in, the, the influence of the Holy Ghost. We all get the influence. The blue represents the Holy Ghost. Of course, you know, with the, with the gifts of, uh, of the Spirit and the and, and the fruit of the Spirit represented in the, uh, the, the pomegranates and golden boughs here. Yes, we can abide there. We can, be, we can be there. We can be content with that kind of faith and with that kind of conviction. But guess what? How many of you really desire, because it, it seems like a lot of times people want to know what God's perfect will is for their life. And to understand God's perfect will for your life, you've got to have that relationship. You've got to desire and, and you you got to have on the next the garment there, of course that 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 holds the breastplate because this has got to this has got to be something that we desire from deep within our heart. What does the Bible say? Deep calls unto deep at the noise of thy water spots. In other words, if you really want to get close to God, you have to have that deep desire to want to get close to God, to want to know Him. Because in this, you're going to find out he's going to place those things in your, in your life. And to be able to understand, of course, the, the whole reason, Urum and Thummim. Did you realize this? Somebody asked me the question one time. They said, Brother Marshall, why is it that the Lord employed this in the priesthood? Why, why, why did he use this? I said, you know what? Here's, here's the one main factor why this was all used in, in the Old Covenant. In the Old Covenant, the ministry, the priesthood, the high priest. I said, you know what the difference was between that ministry and this ministry? 
I don't know. I said, we're filled with the Holy Ghost. They weren't. Right. 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 That way was not made when that first covenant was, you know, they were, they were involved in, in the ceremony of sacrifices and everything. That way was not made to come right, right to that place. That's the reason why that veil was set in front of the Ark of the Covenant. And only one person, this person right here, was the only one allowed in to access the presence of God. He was the only one. So wanting to get to God, you've got to go through the veil. You've got to access the veil. One, only one person was allowed that. Just one person. One person. One day out of the whole year. One person was allowed into the to see the, the Ark of the Covenant. Can you imagine that? How bad do you want to see God? How bad do you want to know God? How bad do you want to stand in His presence? We can enter His presence when we come in here. But let's get back to it. The Urum. The Urum and the Thummim. As Hebrew tradition and history states, two stones that were used that were placed in that inside pocket. And when they wanted to know God's perfect will, when they had a, a, a question as far as to what they should do, they would go to the high priest and the high priest would take the Urim and the Thummim, he would go be, the ephod, and he would go before the, 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 before the Lord, and he would inquire, and God would answer back. <clears throat> God would answer back by the lighting of whatever stone it was. Whatever answer he brought, he would answer back by that stone being, you know, it, it lighting up. So they knew the answer of God. They knew God's Perfect will. They knew God's mind. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that was like. Another principle that's kind of associated with this, that's kind of related to it, is the principle of casting lots. Because when they cast lots, you know what they did? They they would when they talked about casting lots, they would cast they would cast these. They used stones to cast lots, and when they cast lots, they would to try to find the, the will of God, they would cast lots, and that's the same, almost the same definition or the same picture that Urim and Thummim gives us because it talks about casting lots or casting stones to know God's perfect will. And whatever stone lit up or however the stones situated, that were situated, they, they obviously they knew, they understood, so they were able to determine what God's will was. They received their answer. Something, isn't it? And uh, it, it was. Uh, let's go to let's go to Numbers. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> Numbers twenty-seven. Numbers twenty-seven. And uh, Numbers twenty-seven and verse number twenty-one. Look what it says here. Numbers 27, verse number 21, it says, And he shall stand before Eleazar the priest, who shall ask counsel for him 
after the judgment of Urum before the Lord, at his word shall they go out, and at his word they shall come in, both he and the children of Israel with him, even all the congregation of Israel. So, so you see that, and of course, he's talking about uh, talking about Joshua going before uh, Eliezer, the high priest. And you go over there in Deuteronomy thirty-three eight. Deuteronomy thirty-three eight, and these are just examples that I'm that I'm giving to you concerning uh, Urim and and Thummim, and, and Deuteronomy thirty-three eight, and it says this. And of Levi he, shed, he said, Let thy Thummim and let thy Urim be with thy Holy One, whom thou didst prove at Massa, with whom thou didst strive at the waters of Meribah. So let thy Thummim and let thy Urim be with thy Holy One. Let it be. To be able to have that ability to communicate with God. To be able to have that community. That's what, that's, basically, that's what he's saying. The, the priests that are before you, the priest, the high priest that stands before you, basically needs to have that ability to communicate with God. To hear from God. So he's talking about that. You go to Ezra... Chapter 2, verse number 63, in the book of Ezra here. And uh, Ezra 2, verse number 63, and, and uh, of course this was something that they all understood, something they all realized that they needed to have. And, and verse number 63, and the Tershatha, the Tershatha, said unto them that they should not eat of the most holy things till there stood up a priest with Urim and with Thummim. <laughs> In other words, they had to have communication with God. You could not afford not to have communication with God. You have to have communication So we see that. Communication. So what does that mean? Well, when we take a look at, you know, the definition as far as the, the, the Hebrew is concerned, Urum and Thummim, <clears throat> we, we, we realize this. Urum, the definition for Urum means lights. Lights or revelation. So Urim was lights and revelation. Thummim was perfection or truth. So you, you want to seek God. Of course, lights always, you know, without lights we cannot see. Without light we cannot see. And when we have light, we're going to have revelation. We're going to have understanding. We're going to be able to see. Thummim is obviously perfection, truth. We've got to have, we've got to have <clears throat> truth. 
Because truth is what leads us to perfection. Without these two elements, you understand, without these two elements, they could not, they could not have or understand the mind of God. Think about that. This was the manner in which they communicated. This is the manner in which they, you know, access the mind of God is when they went to the high priest and they inquired and they asked. And the high priest went before the Lord and he asked. And of course, the the answer that was given via the Urum and Thummim, the answer that was given to them so that they could know what God's will was to be. So think about that. Of course, remember, we always tend to always, I guess, base our conviction, base our experience, base our knowledge with God with, with something like this, and we always tend to kind of lean back to that thought and say, well, when all this represented, all this represented, all this represented, he said, ye shall be endued with power from on high. Ye shall be clothed with power from on high. So when we're clothed, guess what God's going to do? What God did for Israel back then, in this, in this figure of the garments of the priesthood, He does for us now. Because of the process of salvation that you and I have, amen, experienced. We have obeyed. Now that veil was rent in twain, now we can enter the holies of holies. Now we can enter His presence. We could access His presence. We could have access to it. Amen. We can inquire of God. Because it's all type of the Holy Ghost. What you see right here in these garments are all a type of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Okay? So this is what this is what Paul said. I'm reading out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is what Paul said. Verse number 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Wow. Can you imagine? Yet they rejected their own Messiah because they didn't have that. They didn't have that understanding. They weren't. They didn't spiritually discern anything. But it says, but as it is written, here's, here's the problem. Even today, here's the problem. But as it is written, I hath not seen. What you and I are seeing right now, yes, materially in the physical realm, yes, but also spiritually, what God reveals to us. That we can see our spiritual sight, we can see, we can understand. I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. So that's the problem is 
We don't have eyes to see. We don't have ears to hear. And we don't have hearts to love Him. You notice that the Bible says, when it talks about, when Jeremiah or Isaiah talked about the Lord, when He said that eyes they have, but they don't see, ears they have, but they don't hear. And, of course, their heart is so far from me. And, and when you talk about it, he says, uh, he, he's talking about, uh, you know, in, in the sense, he mentioned uh, the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for them that love him. So, in other words, with the heart, you know, because we love, this is, amen, this is, this is the, the underlying factor of our relationship with God is our love for him. We love him because our heart is open to him. Did you realize that when he used that term? He said, he said, he prayed for the heart so that, he said, uh, our eyes that we can see, our ears that we can hear, and our hearts that we can be, what? Converted. Why is that? Because love converts you. So when you have a relationship with God, love converts you. That love will convert you to love that person. So that's, that's the, the hang-up. To be able to ha develop that kind of relationship where we can, you know, what, what, did, what did Paul say? Paul said that we may increase and abound in his love and in faith. So that we can develop, we can grow, we can, we can get closer with God. You can really fall in love with him. Just like you fall in love with whoever or whatever. You can have that kind of relationship. You can have that kind of intimacy with God. So that's what he says. So he says, look what he says in verse number uh, 10. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. In other words, we know the things that be of men because what? We're men. We're men. But the things of God we don't know because, guess what? He says, he said the, th the deep things of God, uh, <clears throat> for the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. So to be able to know God, to be able to understand God, guess what you need? <coughs> you need the Holy Ghost. You need to be born again. As one brother said, uh, one brother said, how can you have God without God? Right. Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. That's right. <laughs> So he says, we have, now, verse number 12, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man... Receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Yet he himself is judged of no man. 
For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? It's a good question. Not one man. And you know who he's talking about? The unregenerated man. That's why they're still trying to figure out God. They, they can't figure him out. But look what he says. But we have the mind of Christ. So why is it we have the mind of Christ? Because we're full of the Holy Ghost. Urum and Thummim. To be able to understand and know God's perfect will. Woo! I ran out of time. Thank you very much. God bless you. We'll take a break. Yeah. Woo! 